Let's get ready to pray as we go into the Word today. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're awesome. You thank you that you're incredible. God, speak to our hearts and lives today. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are so glad to see each one of you today. We're glad that you made it with us. We realize there's a lot of other choices in town, a lot of other great churches, but we just think you made a good one today. A good choice to be with us. And we're just so excited for you to join us in the middle of our series of I'm a Hypocrite. And that's the series that we're in right now. So come on, look at someone around you, square in the face and say, Hi, I'm a hypocrite. Come on, keep looking at them square in the face and say, But God has not finished with me yet. Come on, isn't that the truth? We so many times live hypocritical lives But God has not finished with us yet. We don't want to be a person that says one thing, but yet does another thing, being a hypocrite. But we want to be true to our word. We want to live according to the truth of God. Today I want to talk to you about being only a Sunday Christian. Did you hear that? Only a Sunday Christian. Christian. In other words, today we're going to talk about those that come in the house and live one way, but then they step out of the house and people say, who are they? It's a sad reality that nearly every week we have about 20 kids who lose their parents in church. Only joking, just just go with me on this one. Just play with me on this one. We have 20 kids who lose their parents in church because some people who say they're the parents come up to them and say, come on, let's go home. And they look and say, but who are you? You're not the same person I live with at home. Too many times we live double standard lives. One way in the house, but another way out of the house. And you know who you are. You know exactly who you are. Why is it that when some people put on a sports jersey, say LSU, that's a good team. Anyone agree with me? That's a good team. They put on an LSU jersey, all of a sudden the person they become completely changes. Their morals go south. The way they conduct their life, it goes south. Maybe a jersey's not your problem. Maybe your problem is behind the wheel. When you sit on that seat behind the wheel, come on, demons begin to manifest in you. And you begin to become someone that you are not normally. Come on, we live so often such a double standard in our lives. And this has to be challenged and this has to be addressed. Why? Because if it's not changed, we're going to lose eternity. Come on, I say we're going to lose eternity. 
And not only eternity for our own lives, but we're going to lose the eternity of so many around. We look at the generations that are coming up. Many of them don't want to be in church anymore. Many of them don't want the Word of God. They don't know the Scriptures. And why is that? It's not because God's Word's changed. It's because of the example of those that should be showing forth the word has changed. Us as parents, individuals, our example or lack of it is not where it needs to be. And we're going to be talking more about that on Wednesday night, so be here with us. But I want to read a scripture today from James chapter 3. Again, this morning, and this scripture is actually to do with the tongue. And you can say, well, that has nothing to do really with your message. I beg to differ because the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So therefore, if it's talking about the tongue, it also has to have a right or wrong heart in accordance to what's coming out of the mouth. The tongue is the symptom, the root cause is the state of the heart. So remember this. James 3 verse 10 says, Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. New Living Translation says so. Blessing and cursings come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Think about what's been said here. From our same mouth comes forth blessings. What is an example of blessing? What we've been doing today, praising God. We've been singing the songs. We've hopefully said some nice words to people around. We're blessing people. We're in church. We're blessing people with our mouth. But the Bible says that there's also not only blessings that come out of our mouth, but cursings. We can use it as an instrument of praise to God. And then one moment we can use it for God only knows what next and what else. And God does know because he sees all things and he knows all things. God even sees a text, an email, a status update on Facebook. God sees all those things. And we need to begin to see those things as a double standard. Hypocrisy being one way and then completely the other. Look what the scripture says in Titus 1. Verse 16, a powerful scripture. It says, They profess to know God, but in their works they deny Him. Being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. They profess to know God. Oh, I'm a Christian. I I paid my tithes. I'm in the house. They profess with their mouths to know God, but their lives, their actions, their works outside of the house deny God. And they are what? Abominable. They are disobedient and they are disqualified. I love how the Message Bible says this. Are you ready? Don't look at me. This is God's word. It says this. They say they know God, but their actions speak louder than their words. They are real creeps. Isn't that cool? They are real creeps, disobedient and good for nothing. Ouch. Wow. Real creeps, disobedient and good for nothing. 
I must admit, when I sat down to prepare this message, I was actually going to take it a different direction. I was going to kind of expose the areas and the things that we perhaps do outside of the house and talk about them and how we need to bring change and we need to do this. But the more I began to think about it and the more I began to pray about it and study, I thought to myself, you know what? If we talk about everything else, we're giving glory to those things more than the answer to those things. And as I began to think about it, I thought, you know what? We don't really need to talk about and spell out all those kind of things because we know the wrong things we do. We know the wrong things that we do. We already know, and hopefully you do know. Hopefully you do know, come on, that lying, cheating, stealing, cursing, compromising, being in the wrong places around the wrong people is not good. Come on, it's not good. It's not excusable. It's not justifiable. We make so many excuses, but I was only there because of, or at least I'm better than them. Listen, it doesn't matter whether you're lying to justify or make yourself look better. A lie is a lie. And it's not right for us to be involved in those kind of things. Come on, our behavior, our thoughts, our works, our involvement, they are unexcusable. We will give account for everything that we do. So instead, what I want to do today is I want to identify what I believe is the main problem, and I want to give you the solution to it all. And really, the problem and the solution are very similar together. You ready? Here's the main problem. Are you ready? Here's why we live one way in the house and we live another way out there. Here's why we change to become a Christian hypocrite, not living truly for God. Here's the problem. Are you ready? We don't really know God. We don't really know God, which again creates the solution to the problem. And that is this, knowing God. Did you catch that? The problem is we don't know him. The solution is we can know him. He's made it fully possible for us to be in relationship with him. And let me show you what I mean. They took a poll just recently in America and they polled individuals and they found out this. 94% of Americans believe in God or a universal spirit. They believe there's something out there, a higher power. 94% of Americans said they believed in that. But I want to tell you something. 94% of Americans in this nation don't know God. Come on now, if 94% of Americans knew God, our stadiums would be, uh, our churches would be 10 times the size of every stadium because we would not be able to house all the people. We wouldn't have to lock our doors. We wouldn't have to worry. We would just be almost virtually a Christian nation. How wonderful would that be to live in that kind of setting? But we don't. That's not where we do live. So 94% are not saved. They are not in a relationship with him. Does every one of us agree with that? Proving the point that what? Belief is not the same as personal knowledge. And for many people, even the idea that they could know God on a relational level seems so unlikely, unrealistic and unobtainable. Why would I want that? What's the point of that? What's the purpose? What's the benefit? As long as I believe in God, then I'm okay. As long as I've got a head, not, as long as I believe, as long as I confess and say, oh, I believe there's a God, then I'm doing okay. The Bible tells us we're not okay if that's all we do. Because look what the scripture says in James chapter 2 and verse 19. It says, you believe that there is one God. You do well. Because even the demons believe and what? 
tremble. I'll ask you a question today. How many believes that the demons are going to be in heaven? Anyone believe that the demons are going to be in heaven? The Bible says that God's reserved a place for them and it's not heaven. It's a lot hotter than heaven. Come on, anyone know the place I'm talking about? Completely the opposite. There's a place of utter darkness. There's a place of, of pain, agony, all these things that's reserved for those. So yet they believe. And the Bible says they don't only believe, but they tremble. You know why the demons tremble? They tremble first because they know the awesomeness of God. They know the greatness of God. They know how awesome and great He is. But they also tremble because of them knowing their fate through rebelling against God. They know the judgment. They know the punishment that's coming to their lives. That no matter what they do, God is greater. They have a belief and therefore they fear because of the wrong choice that they have made. You see, they have chosen not to serve Him perhaps like you have today. God doesn't condemn anyone. God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. God doesn't want anyone to be lost. But it's our choice to decide where we want to spend eternity. It's our choice of choosing what we need to make. It's great to believe. And thank God for belief. But you've got to know. You've got to know. Because if it's just a belief, you're going to find yourself as a Sunday Christian. You're going to find yourself as a hypocrite, living one way with no sustained change and results. I believe also part of the confusion that people have when it comes to really knowing God stems from not recognizing perhaps the different levels that we can have in knowing God. I wrote down a few of the levels that can happen in our lives as we know God. Perhaps you know God today by reputation. You know Him by reputation. Most of the time when we know something by reputation, it's come by second-hand information. So someone who knows God by um, reputation knows something of God from someone else's experience. So because of someone else's experience, maybe you've kind of got an experience with God. Listen, a lot of people know God by religion. Religion. Religion is one of, or I'm going to change that, religion is the greatest enemy that's opposed to the life of a Christian. Religion, religion, religion. They know of Him, but don't really know in him. Come on, religion is what? Religion is a set of rules. Religion is a set of rituals. Religion is a set of procedures that if you do this, but really religion is about man and not about God. Religion is about coming to a man that I can come to, whether it's a priest, whether it's a pastor, whether it's a leader, whoever it may be. It's coming and confessing, presenting your life to that person and then letting them be the advocate between you and God. Come on, religion is giving your life really to man. Man, and then they present that over to God. It's not really truly knowing God. Some know God by memories, by past experiences. I've talked to a lot of people and say, hey, where are you with God? Well, I got saved at five. And, well, that's it. I got saved at five. It's a past experience. It's not growing. It's not moving. Nothing's happened. Nothing's changed. Well, a lot's changed. And that is this. They've digressed. They're now not even where they were when they were five years of age. They're now digressed. They're living in a past tense experience. Just knowing him by memories. Nothing's real. Nothing's fresh. It's stale. It's old. We talked about it in the last service. I don't want to come around your house and have a cup of tea with you and you give me milk that's been in your refrigerator since Christmas. 
Come on, maybe cottage cheese, but that's not milk. We don't want that in our cup. Why? Because you've got to keep it fresh. You've got to keep it real, because if not, it's going to go stale. Jesus talks about daily, we're to have a relationship with him. Because if we're not in a daily relationship with him, it's going to be what? It's going to be memories. It's going to be a has-been. Well, maybe one day, someone who has no vision lives in the past. Talk to them where they're at. Where's their life? Well, when I was a kid, when I used to do this, well, what about what you're doing now? What about what your future is? Well, no, that's... That's where I used to be. Why? Because they know God. They have a relationship with God as a memory. What about this one? Someone, some people know God by convenience. Oh, I know a lot of people like that. Come on, all of a sudden they get a bad report from the doctor. Man, they're front row in the church with their hand in the air saying, pray for me. But where are they the rest of the time? Thank God, God still hears that prayer. God still honors that prayer. But God's not just a God of the low times. God wants to be a God of the high times too and everything that goes in between. But a lot of people love God for convenience. They love it when it fits them. They love it when they suits them, when they can make it tailor-made into what their life they think needs to be. It's only people know God for convenience. What about knowing God with an intimate relationship? What about knowing God intimacy and having an intimacy, knowing him through intimacy right here, right now, actively involved, having a two-way street that daily your life has been changed, daily you grow, daily you're walking with God. Come on, that's the kind of knowing that God wants each one of us to live in. And really it can be summed up two ways. You either know of him or you know in him. It's either religion or it's either relationship. Religion or relationship. I want to show you something today and I I pray that you get this today because I saw this this last week. I was listening to a message and I was like, wow, that is so powerful. It fits so perfect with the message for today. I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. Here we see God making man. We see the scripture as it says in Genesis 1 verse 26. God says these words. He said, let us make man In our image, according to what? According to our likeness. God is saying, I want to make man in my image and in my likeness. So let me show you something I believe from this passage that you will see. And that is this. God created man from himself. Come on, he created him from his image. He created him from his likeness. Now you may say, hold on a second. No, God created man from the dust of the ground and he fashioned him and formed him. You wouldn't be wrong. Look what it says in Genesis 2 verse 7. And the Bible says, and then what? And he saw the earth and he used the earth and he formed man from the dust of the ground. And what did he do? He breathed life into his nostrils and he became a living being. You got to see something from the ground came the body of a man, the shell of a man, not man himself. Man is not the body. What makes man is the spirit that lives inside of him. So we see that spirit came from God. We are made from God, housed in a natural body. But our spirit, the life of us, comes 
from God. Why is that important? Because what we come from is that which we need to be connected to. I want to show you something, that when we're not connected to God, then we cannot have life inside of us. Look what I mean. From Genesis chapter 11 in the creation account, we see that God has spoken dry, land has appeared, water has appeared, and now God speaks to the earth. And he says these words, then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, herbs and yields, seeds and trees, fruit trees, all these things. Come on, you can read that in there. Notice this. For so long, my thought of creation was this, that God steps in and he goes, bam, I want a tree there. I want this there. I want that there. That God spoke everything into being. God did speak things into being, but this is what he spoke. He said, earth, you produce. What? Trees, grass, fruit, flowers. You produce that. So from the ground and from the earth came those things. God caused the land to produce. And why is that important? Because whatever the land produced needs to be connected to the land, otherwise it's going to die. You take a tree out of the ground, it's not going to be long before it dies. You pluck a flower from the stem that's connected to the ground, it's not going to be long before it wilts and it withers and dies. But in the ground, it is sustained because it receives what it needs from that. I want to tell you right now, just like a tree needs the ground to live, we need God who we were created from. We need to be connected to Him. We need to be in relationship with Him because without God and with a separation, we are going to die. And the greatest death, you know the greatest death that you could hope for in your life is a physical death? Because that's the best death that there is. Because you know the worst death is a spiritual death. That's separation from God for eternity. That's a separation, a physical death. We're here one moment, bam, and we're gone. It's over. We know that there's an eternity to face and that's the spiritual death that we're talking about. Because how we choose to live our life and what we choose to be connected to, whether that of life or disconnecting ourselves, created from God, by God, for God. That we, as we could disconnect ourselves, look, Romans 6 verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death. What is sin? Sin is a separation factor, disconnecting us from God. Do you see that? That when we're disconnected from our source of life, when we believe in God, but we don't really know God and we're disconnected from the source of life, we're going to die. But the gift of God is eternal life. Through what? Through Jesus, through God, the one who created us. It's got to be more than just believing. You and I are from God, by God, to be used with God. God cares about how we live our lives. God cares about the choices and the decisions that we make each and every day. God cares about how well we choose to know Him. God cares and wants us to be in relationship with Him because He knows when we're in relationship with Him, our daily attitudes and actions will change. So I wonder today, do you really know him? Do you really know God? Well, let's take the test today. The Bible has a test that's called, do you know him test? 
And we find it in 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse 3. It says these words, 1 John 2, verse 3, it says, By this we know that we, what? Know Him. I love how the New Living Translation presents it. And we can be sure that we belong to Him. I like that thought, that we can belong. Everyone wants to belong. Everyone wants to be a part. We want to be connected. We want to belong with God. And it says that this is how we know if we connect, if we're a part of, if we belong to God. It says what? And here it is. It's simple and it's really precise. Here's the answer. If we keep His commandments. If we obey His commandments. Not just the one that fits our lives. Oh, we're good at doing that. Well, I like this, but I don't like that. I'll take some of that, change this, mix that with something else. And voila, look what I've created. That's good. I can live in that. No, God says, you've got to live by my commandments. And incidentally, they're not suggestions. They're commandments. They're things that you and I must do in our lives. That They're never things to harm us, but they're things to bless us. They're things to help us in our lives. So God says, if you really know me, You'll live by my word. You'll follow my instruction. Anyone in here ever been in love? Come on now. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Uncle D's got his hand up. Anyone ever been in love? You better, some of you better put your hands up. You're sitting by your wives, for goodness sake. I mean, and husbands, you, you better put your hands up. But we're going to be praying for you today. But can you remember what it was like with your first love? Can you remember when you were head over heels smitten with that person? It completely changed your life. Come on, guys. When you were young, it changed your life completely because you put on deodorant every three days. But now you put on so much deodorant that five people around you didn't need any because you had enough for everyone around you, you know? You changed. It changed exactly who you were. Why? Because now it's no longer about you. But everything now is about them. Everything in your life now is not what you want to do. It's what they want to do. So you find yourself saying, well, what is it that you want to do? And they say to you, well, I don't care. What do you want to do? And you say, well, I don't care. What do you? Why? Because it becomes all about the other person, what they want to do. And guess what happens to us, guys? We find ourselves in chick flick movies. We find ourselves watching stuff that we never thought we'd watch. And we have to take tissues because we find ourselves even crying too. Come on, the notebook and all this stuff, man. It's sad stuff when we find ourselves watching that stuff. You know what else we find ourselves doing, guys? Going to the shopping mall for hours and hours, carrying all the bags around with a smile on our face. And we're kind of enjoying it. Why? Because look who we're with. You know what else we find ourselves doing, guys? We find ourselves being on the phone for hours and hours, just whispering sweet nothings. Even the weather sounds sexy when she talks about it. Come on, even it sounds good and appealing. Never heard it like that before. Normally turn off the channel, but babe, talk to me about the weather all day. I'll listen. Finding yourself doing things that you wouldn't normally do. Why? Because you're changing. Because something's happened to you. Come on, girls, what about you? You find yourself going to the ball games. You find yourself getting interested. You find yourself buying those jerseys that one fits all. Come on, you just find yourself in those. And you find yourself watching ESPN 24-7 and saying, It's okay, honey, I just love you so much. It's so great. But in your minds, guys, girls, we know what's going through. Just wait till I marry him and everything's going to change. I'm just going to let him think it's good right now, but it's going to change. But did you see what happens? We find ourselves doing stuff. That we would have never done unless, come on, say with me, unless. Unless what? There's a good reason. 
And the good reason is what? We're in love. And because of that love, and because of our desire to be in relationship with that person, it changes all of our priorities. And as I said, we find ourselves doing things that we would never normally do. And we find ourselves even enjoying it. Because it brings joy to them. I wonder when's the last time you changed your schedule for God? I wonder when's the last time you turned down a friend from a date that they wanted you to go on because you just felt in your heart that you needed to stay at home and read your word and just get alone with God. I wonder when's the last time you turned down a movie and wonder when's the last time you went looking at your watch at the end of church saying, man, I wish you'd hurry up because, man, the new show's starting in 20 minutes and I want to be there for it. I wonder when's the last time we changed our schedule. Let's keep reading. First John goes on in verse 4 and it says this. But he who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. If I'm just a Sunday Christian and I'm living one way, but really the reality of my life is a completely different way. The Bible says I'm a liar. The Bible says you're a liar. And the Bible says you don't have the truth of God living inside of you. And if there's no truth, there's no Jesus. I said if there's no truth, there's really no Jesus. Oh, I believe in him, but I don't really know him. That's a little harsh, don't you think, Pastor Philip? Don't you think that's a little harsh? No, you know, I'm glad that God's word is straightforward and truth. I'm glad that God is honest. I'm glad that God doesn't say everything's okay when it's not. I'm glad that God says it can be okay and here's the way. And if you just follow me, then everything's going to be great. There's still going to be problems, still going to be hardships, but I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. We're going to make it through. I'm glad that God would be honest with us and say, listen, there's only one way to the Father. There's only one way to live. There's only one thing. We can't allow double standards. We can't allow hypocrisy. It's not acceptable. It's not true. I'm so glad that God is truthful and it's spoken by someone who truly cares and wants the best for my life. Listen to what I read this week. Knowing God can lead to a positive lifestyle. Everyone agree with that? When we know God, things change, hopefully positively. There's a positive change. But the reverse is not true. What do I mean by that? Just trying to do God good does not create a relationship with God. The Bible tells us that. I believe in James. It says faith without works is dead. Meaning that when we have relationship, faith with God, guess what? Works will happen. Things will happen. We'll do things right. We'll be right. We'll say the right things. We'll be the right kind of person. We'll be the right spouse to our husband and our wife. We'll be the right person to our children. Why? Because when we're in a relationship with God, great things spring out of that, but not good things cannot create a relationship with God. Works come as a result of faith, but faith, or works come as a result of faith, but works can never produce faith. Our faith produces works, but works will never produce faith in our life. So just to do good doesn't mean automatically that you know the one who is good. It's deeper than that. It's the condition of the heart. Look what the scripture says in 1 Samuel 16, verse 17. This is Samuel. He's going to anoint the new king. Saul has been turned down from God because of his disobedience, because of him not following God. 
God's now told Samuel to fill his horn with oil, to go and anoint the next king. Samuel comes to Jesse as instructed by God. He sees his eldest son, Eliab, and he's thinking, wow, this guy is incredible. He's tall, dark, handsome. He's a stud. All the ladies love him. Everyone wants to be like him. Samuel says, wow, this is the one. And he goes to anoint him. And look what God says. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance. Or at his stature, the physical stature of who he is. Because I have what? I have refused him, for the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance. But what does God say? But I look at the heart. I kind of feel sorry for Eliab because I don't really necessarily believe Eliab was a bad guy. It wasn't that he was a bad guy. It was just he had David, who was God's choice as his brother, so he didn't stand a chance. But when he came, like we so often come, and we say, God, but look what I'm doing. Look what I've done. I've paid my tithes. I'm going to church. I told someone even about you this week. God says, hold on a second. See all that stuff? As good as it is, it's not the most important thing. You can have all the package deal and look the part, but God can still say no. 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 Why? Because God first looks inwardly. He looks at the heart because God has to build from the heart up. God has to start with who we are. So what? So he can make us who we need to be. God has to start with who we are, our character, the person that we are. Then what? Then we can run against a giant. Then we can see him defeated before us. But we cannot do it on our own. It's only through God. I'm really excited about the new ladies Bible study that they're getting ready to start on Gideon. Gideon's a great guy to study. I love him from the word. But Gideon's another guy that a lot of people jump on and kind of get so mad at because one day he's minding his own business. He's hiding away from the enemy. He's doing something. He's he's thrashing out grain. He's doing something. At least he's working. At least he's doing something. The angel comes to him and says, oh, you mighty man of valor. What is Gideon's response? I mean, come on. If God comes and speaks something over your life, most of us would turn around and say, oh, thank you, God, but not Gideon. What does Gideon say? Oh, do you know who I am? He says to God, I'm the least of the least. I'm a nobody. You've got the wrong guy. We jump all over Gideon and say, what's wrong with you, son? Just accept what God says and move on. But I believe the response that Gideon had and the answer he gave was the answer that God was looking for. And here's why. If you're taking notes, write this down. It's important. Because Gideon needed to know what God was calling him to do, he could never accomplish in his own strength. Come on, Gideon knew that the job and the task that God was calling him to do, there was no way possible he could do it and accomplish it in his own strength. God was showing him right from the bat, the only way, son, you can be great, the only way you can be mighty, the only way that you can do what I've called you to do is only through relationship with me, trusting me with your whole life, giving giving your whole life to me, knowing me, obeying me, following my commands. That's what it's about. That's what it's about, knowing God, trusting him daily in your walk, having a daily relationship with God, And since we were talking about David in a roundabout way, let's look what David says about having a relationship with God. Psalm 63, verse 1, he says, Oh God, you are my God. Kind of arrogant, don't you think, David? What about me? He's my God. He's not just your God. I don't think that's arrogance. I love that, that David has such a relationship with God that he says, He's my God. Oh, he can be your God too. But let me tell you something. I'm not having a relationship with him on reputation or what other people have said 
of their experiences. I have an experience with God all by myself. God, you are my God. And you've got to note something here if you don't realize this. David's not having a picnic out on the beach and everything's going well in his life. David is running for his life at this time. Absalom, his son, is trying to kill him. He's trying to destroy him. David's had to flee the palace because Absalom wants to kill him and take the throne from him. In the middle of all of this, David is sitting down. He is praying. He is making a praise to God. And here's what he does. Oh God, you are my God. Come on, my psalm probably wouldn't have sounded like that. I believe your psalm wouldn't have sounded like this. Here's what I believe our psalm would have sounded like. Are you ready? Are you crazy, God? What's the deal? I'm your king, remember? Hello, the one you anointed. And now I'm running for my life. You better handle this right now, God. And I mean it. I didn't sign up for this. This wasn't supposed to be happening to me. The reality is, no, it wasn't supposed to be happening. But life happens. I said life happens on numerous occasions. And you're going to find ourselves many times in uncomfortable places, choices and decisions that we haven't made to put ourselves there. Oh, we can make the choices to put ourselves there. But sometimes we just find ourselves in hard times and in struggles, in times when we think the enemy is prevailing over us. So what did David say? David said this later in Psalms 23 verse 4. He says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Notice if I'm in the worst, darkest place, I will not. What? I will not fear no evil. (coughs) For what? God, you are with me. Here's the thought. I'm with you, God. I'm with you, God. God's always there, but I cannot be always there with God. Did you catch that? God's always there. He promises to never leave us. He promises to never forsake us. But am I with God? Am I connected with God? Am I connected to the life? Or am I dying because I'm disconnected from my source? David said, I've got no fear in my life because God, you're there. And that's why, again, in this situation, he now has an anchor that he can hold on. He knows God. He's in relationship with God that he can, we can read on. And he says, oh God, you are my God. He's still his God. Did you catch that? He's still his God. He says, early will I seek you. He says, I'm turning to you first. I'm not going to my friends. I'm not going to everyone around you. God, I'm trusting in you. New Living Translation says, I earnestly search for you. He says, I want you. I need you. Not just because of the trouble I'm in right now, but I need you, God, because this is part of my daily life. This is my relationship daily with you is every day I say, God, I need you. I hate to say this word, but David was almost saying this is part of my daily routine of the way I live and the way I choose to live my life. He says, my soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Notice what he says in verse two. I've looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power. And your glory. What did David say? God, I'm in relationship with you, but where's the next place he's at? He's in the house. Come on, he's in church. Why is it that so many times we have problems? The last place we're in is in the house. Come on. I talk to so many people and I say, where are you at? They say, we're going through a lot right now. I say, well, listen, you need to be in the house. That's when you need to be in the house. You need to be in the house all the time, but you need to be in the house. Now, we were brought up as kids that when you had problems, you ran to the house. You didn't run from the house. And David says, God, you're my God. I'm thirsty for you. God, I've looked for you and I see your power and glory. Where? In the house, in the church, in the place where I need to be. Church doesn't make me saved, but church helps keeping me saved. 
helps build my relationship, that I can get the word, because faith cometh by hearing, hearing the preaching and the teaching of the word that can be applied into each one of our lives. So where is he looking? He's looking for God in the house. And he says, God, I love you so much, I'm literally aching for you. Remember when we talked about just truly being in love, how it felt that you just couldn't wait and couldn't stand it to be alone from that person. And you wanted to be with them again. That's David. Verse 3 says, because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. In other words, David's saying, if I have a choice to either live with you or without you, I'd rather die if I could not have you with me. God, I'd rather die with you than live one moment without you. That's how important God was to his life. Verse 4 Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. David's basically saying, God, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed to do anything to express the love I have. Come on, you didn't care when you were in love with that person. You didn't care that someone saw you walk out of a chick flick. You didn't care, guys, that your ego was hampered. Why? Because you didn't care because who was with you. People could laugh all they want, but look who's with me. Now who's laughing, huh? You didn't care because who is with you? Come on, we don't, shouldn't care what we do in the house, lifting our hands and praising God. Why? Because look who's with me. Look who I'm in relationship with. Look who I'm serving with my life. Come on, is God in your life? Does he have your life? It's not hard. It just re- requires total surrender. And you can't have life on only your terms. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. It's about obeying and living by his commandments, not suggestions which will always be the best pathway of blessing and peace for your life. And you can call him saviour, you can call him healer, you can call him comforter, you can call him fortress, you can call him strength, you can call him provider, you can call him husband, you can call him friend. I read this in a book this week and it said it this way, what you call someone reveals the depth of the intimacy you either have or the lack of it. What you call someone reveals intimacy that you have in your life. Why, I go to a restaurant and they'll say to me, Mr. Pimlot, your table is ready. Why? Because they don't really know me. People who know me a little bit more may call me Pastor Philip. People who know me more call me Philip. But the closer they get, those who know me Phil know me a lot closer. Those who know me as Pimlot are the ones I used to play sports with years ago and when I was at school, and they know a lot of things. Those who call me Dad know things even greater about me. The one who calls me a sexy hunk. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to. No, I'm fine. The way you call somebody determines the level of intimacy that you have with them. I wonder how you call God today. Do you call him as a distant God or do you call him as my friend, my redeemer, the one I adore and love? I'm going to close with this scripture. In this whole series, we're dealing with the fact that we all... too often live a hypocrite. We're doing one thing and, or saying one thing, but we're doing another. And I pray today that you don't want to be a Sunday Christian. I pray today that you don't like, want to live like hell the rest of the week and expect the rewards of heaven. None of us are perfect. I know that. I realize that. But you know what we need God to do? We need God to perfect us. Listen to this scripture. It's great. It comes from Romans 10 verse 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's how easy it is to know God. 
just to call on his name. Say, God, I'm sorry. Would you come into my heart? Would you come into my life? Would you come in and change me? Because God wants to change you. Come on, I don't want to be this way in the house and another way out the house. I don't want to be a Sunday Christian. I want to be the man and the woman that God's created each one of us to be. That we can live for God. That we can serve God. That we can honor God with our lives. And all it takes is to say, God, would you forgive me? Would you come into my heart and change me? And would you help me? And every one of us are able to do that. And how do I know that? Because he made it possible for us to be in relationship. Remember, we were made from God because we were created to be in connection with God. Would you stand to your feet all over this place right now? I realize we've run over just a little bit today and I apologize. But most times people aren't complaining when the game goes into extra innings. That's the exciting part. Sudden death, whoever wins and hits the next one is the winner. Come on. You're going to leave here a winner today. You're going to leave here a winner today. I wonder today by confession, and I'm going to make it a little bit easier than I did in the first service. So I didn't get any hands when I said, I wonder how many of you are Sunday Christians. No one wanted to admit to that. But I wonder today how many people would admit today in knowing this, that you know that your relationship with God is not exactly where it needs to be in some shape or form. Come on, put your hands up all over this place. Come on, keep those hands up. Come on, we're not ashamed of this. We're, we're, we're coming out. We're coming clean. This is what this whole series is about. Finding the freedom and the release through coming clean with God and accepting the fact that there's things in us that needs to change. Maybe for some of you it's your mouth. Maybe it's your attitude. Maybe it's your actions, your life. Just the things that you're doing. Come on, God will help you clean up your mess so God can create greatness. Because God chose, could have chosen any other means, but he willed to choose your life to tell other people about God. As Trey and Megan and the band just begins to sing for a few moments, here's what I want us to do. I'm saying this right now. For a few moments, the altars are open. I'm not going to impose on the, those of you who don't want to come right now. Maybe it's uncomfortable for you. But here's what I want you to do. I want the altars are open. But wherever you're at, turn in your seat, get on your knees, stand, pray, whatever. But do something. Do something right now to make it right with God. Would you begin to come all over this place right now? Come on, would you just begin to come right now? Come on, would you just begin to surrender your life? Or wherever you're at, just begin to surrender your life and say, God, you know what? I'm tired of being a hypocrite. Come on, I'm tired of living one way and and being this and that. God, I want to be the true man and woman that you've called me to be. Come on, God, I want We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. 
We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.